and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand, here as always with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. And uh, it's a big week. Uh, something something really special happened this week, which is I got maybe my favorite ever Slack message from Jonathan. It said, I need your expertise. Do you have a favorite Halloween supply store? <laughs> And it was funny when I when I when I got the like I need your expertise I was like okay he's going to ask a question about measures of listening effort or something and then I was like oh he needs that expertise well right wonderful <laughs> even better so loyal listeners of the show know that I'm a, a enthusiastic celebrator and decorator of Halloween and I'm really happy that uh, it's uh, it's it's seeping through the phone lines because we talk on the phone apparently um, and Jonathan's got the bug. So how's it going over there? It's going okay. Uh, uh, so what happened, um, people may remember that I moved over the summer. We moved over the summer to a new house. And our old house, it was like a, a normal neighborhood. And some people decorated for Halloween and some people didn't. And there was a little bit of trick-or-treating, but it was mostly like parents driving vans full of kids around to the four houses that had a porch light on. Um, uh-huh. I mean, there was a little bit of like walking up and down, but it, just, it wasn't a big thing. We had heard rumors when we lived in our old house about this magical neighborhood where everyone did a great job on Halloween and everyone would travel from miles around to go to this neighborhood. And we went once and it was really um, great and intimidating. Uh, and guess what? That's the neighborhood we moved into. So oh, that was now, now that was not why we moved into the neighborhood, Julia. But but we we did, and then we hadn't really thought about it. And then of course, like the last few weeks, people are starting to put up decorations. Like uh, the house kind of across the street from us has like a twenty foot tall skeleton in the front yard. Um, you know, and things are kind of popping up, and we thought, well. You know, we don't want to be like party poopers, right? And like nope. we're the new people on the street. We have to, we have to sort of chip in. So, so I had that panic moment, and then I remembered that I knew someone who could help me. Uh, so, thank you. And actually, um, probably the thing that was the best part of our conversation was I jokingly said something along the lines of, "Now I feel obligated to get a a, a smoke machine." Ha ha ha. To which you replied, "Do you remember what you said?" No, what did I say? You said, like, actually, that's one of the biggest uh, uh, you know, bang for your buck you can get on any decoration. And so I said, okay. And then I, I ordered one. Uh, it so, really is. I, that's great. You know, when I, when I think about Halloween decorations, like, one of the things that I think about is how much storage space does it take up in the basement for, like, how good a visual display is it outside? Mm-hmm. And so things that, like, are just huge mm-hmm. in the basement, like, that's, that's, really, that's really challenging, right? Because... There's a finite amount of basement. Like we have a big basement, but it's still it's still limited. And so something like a smoke machine that is actually very small and they're relatively inexpensive, mm-hmm. um, but produces a huge effect when you put it out. That's like that's yeah, that's great. Gold. Well, it was uh, yes, it was less expensive and smaller than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't actually turned it on yet, so I do need to do a a dry run uh, before Halloween. My plan, by the way, I mean there's a I had. Well, I need to get more smoke machines now because I have or, or fog machines because I have lots of ideas of where to put them. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a, a smoking jack o' lantern oh, uh, on the awesome. front porch, which I think is yeah, good. Okay, we've um, we've got ours on on like a, a timer so that mm-hmm. it can um, you know it like goes off periodically. But then I've got the kind that also has like a button, so you it is going off 
periodically by itself. But then when I push a button, it goes off on purpose. And so you can like do it, you know, as trick or treaters are coming up mm-hmm. too. And that's, that's a nice feature to have. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I did not, um, because I'm, I'm new at this. I did not get the automatic kind. I only have the button. So it has to be kind of within reach sure. so I can do it. And then, yeah, we'll get the auto one for next year. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm excited. I have plans. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited because so so we've always been like the Halloweeniest house in our neighborhood. And I feel a little bit like, I don't know, all of the neighbors tell me they love it. And I believe them, but I'm also like, oh, are we just like the trashy house that, you know, whatever. Um, but our neighbor's kitty corner from us just went bananas this year. And it looks amazing. I'm actually thinking about like, I'm going to like bake them some pumpkin bread in the shape of a skull or something and run it <laughs> over there and just be like... Uh-huh. Hey neighbors, you're doing great. Keep uh-huh. up the good work. Do you have you guys talked about this before? No, I mean okay. we like um they they did some stuff last year and you know, we like congratulated each other on doing Halloween stuff as uh-huh. people do. Uh-huh. Um but but we haven't like they really upped their game this year. Mm-hmm. I- I'm wondering if it's going to turn into a friendly competition or just like or not. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know how they feel. I'm, I'm just frankly delighted to have company. <laughs> right. So, um, right. and and we're both doing awesome, and we're kind of like taking it in different directions. The aesthetics mm-hmm. are slightly different, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's plenty of room in the block for all of the spookiness. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. <laughs> awesome. Well, anyway, well, you'll have to. Um, I mean, I'll definitely share some photos. You know, whenever we figure this out. So. Yes, that sounds great. Do you, Um, can I just ask, do you have a Halloween costume? You know, costumes are actually the part that I kind of go in on the the least. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, I do go very in on costumes. Hold on. Strike that from the record. (laughs) I love costumes. I often think of costumes like after I like really get into the decorating stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not the thing that I start planning way, way ahead of time. Um, And the, what I usually go, what I usually get excited about about costumes that I usually have a big Halloween party. Um, and so, you know, that is, that is a, a costumes strongly encouraged or mm-hmm. else maybe you'll get in trouble mm-hmm. at a party. Um, but we're not doing that this year for COVID. And so, so there's kind of like less occasion for me to really dress up. Um, so I think I'll probably just like recycle costumes from previous years, you know, when I take the kids out trick or treating or something, but, mm-hmm. um, oh, well, I mean, and obviously I'm going to wear a costume for when I, when I teach, but okay, how long have we been talking about this? There, I have a, I have a lot more to uh-huh. say. So I have like a uh-huh. bunch of Halloween outfits and dresses and things that I wear right up until until Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do something in costume day of. I have this this amazing or like the class period that I teach that's closest to Halloween. I have this amazing skeleton suit that is just like full body skin tight and it isn't like black with white bones painted on it. Like it it's like photorealistic. It's like skeleton. who's the um you know. Who's the guy who who wore that suit when I was a kid? Or my, is that is that before your time? Um, anyway, there's a whole show about the guy who wore a skeleton suit. I'm not we'll, familiar. We'll find it. Okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. I won't make you wait now. But um, okay, yeah. Uh, and and I was thinking about teaching in that, but. It might be it might be too tight to teach, <laughs> but maybe. But I might uh-huh. like wear it, you know, under a little black dress or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you? Costume? No, I have no idea. This is I, I, I've I've gotten the decorations now. I don't have a costume. Mm-hmm. My um my PhD advisor uh, had a, a go to costume, which was just his academic robe. Like he <laughs> he didn't have to, he didn't rent a robe he owned, uh, and so he would just wear that. 
which is, and it was funny because we would, um, I don't know where this started. We would walk around the building in costumes and like trick or treat, but just like visit all the labs. But of all the places in the world that an academic robe is not a good costume, it's like at a university. Everyone's like, it's boring. However, um, like in the rest of the world, it's not a bad costume, right? Yeah. I'm like, throw on a wizard hat and you're set. Right. Exactly. But I also don't have a robe. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's been on my list to buy, but I don't think I'll do it before Halloween. So anyway, so yeah, I need a, I need a costume. Well, listeners, you got a little bit of time, right? And tell us what Jonathan should be for Halloween. <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll do whatever people want me to be. <laughs> Probably. Um, all right. So the topic of the day is, uh, is, is collaborations and, um, you know, do, doing science with people other than, um, the the people who who are in your lab. So we're kind of talking about collaborations outside your immediate team, outside the people who you know you you kind of work in the same um, in the same space as. Um. So Jonathan, I'm eager. You know, we we haven't talked about this, and I'm interested to hear like what um can you tell me about the kinds of collaborations you've had in the past? Like what what kind of form have those taken? Um. What what have those looked like? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. Since you didn't talk about it, I didn't know you were going to ask that. Um, well, I mean, one of, one of the challenging things, one of those gotcha questions, <laughs> right? You got me. Um, well, just, there's so many different kinds of collaborations. I think yeah. about this a lot and I think, um, so, so some collaborations are there because I don't know something and someone else does. And so working mm-hmm. with them, you know, really helps me out because either, um, I'm going to learn that thing from them really well, or they might just be responsible for that part of the the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and presumably, I, I can do that for other people, too, if I have some mm-hmm. expertise that they don't have. Um, there are collaborations that um, where I just like the people a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a super nice, smart um, person who I want to do a project with, and the actual... And in that case, you start a podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but I'm... Uh, that is actually true, uh, actually. <laughs> um, but no, but I mean, you know, they're just people who, like, I don't... Um, well, so, Julia, if you went... Well, this that's not a good example. Um, well, I was going to... I'm going to say a thing that isn't true just as an example, but it's actually not true. Um, if you and I work together on, like, a science project, which we haven't done mm-hmm. yet, but it's on my list... Which is so weird that we haven't. I know. But, All yeah. the more reason to do it. I, what mm-hmm. I was going to say is... That would be because um, I like you and, and want to do a project together, not because, like, you know, oh, I, I can't do this project without Julia. That's actually not true because, I mean, I think I think you would bring a lot to the project that, you know, so I, anyway, I'm stumbling over my words here. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we both do speech research. We both do listening effort research. Um, right. And so it feels more like, oh, we both kind of do the same thing, but we can do it better together as opposed to, like, I have no idea how to do you know, gene editing. And so if I want to do a genetics project, I have to get someone who is going to help with that. Right. Um, I'm, I'm no help there. Sorry. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, so um, uh, friend projects. And then, and then like for me, um, also because a lot of my, um, I'm, I'm supposed to be funding a lot of my salary and work in my lab. Um, I also have collaborations that are uh, uh, fine, but I'm kind of doing them to help support my lab more than it's like my peak scientific interest. They don't want to say I'm doing it for the money, but there are practical considerations of people in the department who, uh, or other departments that's good to work with, or just like some grant funds that help support, support me. Um, So I think those are all the big categories of things. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I've, um, I've had collaborations that are like, I'm going to do a study in my lab with somebody else's external input. Um, and I have had them where it's like, you do a study in your lab with my input. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had like, we don't need to collect any new data. We've, you know, we, we have an existing set of data, but like, let's work on it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've done one project that's kind of, you know, more like, um, uh, not big team science, but like lots of people kind of collaborating on, mm-hmm. on a project. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I'd agree that the, the reasons I have formed collaborations is, um, a big one is working with people who have different sets of skills or have access to different equipment or have different subject pools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and in that case, collaborations let you do something that you couldn't do otherwise. Right. So I've done collaborations um, with a, with a linguist and um, with a computer scientist um, and with, you know, people who know a different area of the, like still do perception-y stuff, but know a different kind of chunk of the literature. Uh, and, and those are really awesome because, because you know, especially with like the, the linguistics collaboration and the computer science collaboration, um, those are things where like, I don't know about network science. Mm-hmm. But if you bring in somebody who does, and then, you know, you're both kind of interested in a common area and kind of bring bring your own skills to it, um, it, it like truly lets you do things that you couldn't do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the, the, the papers that I have with, with my wonderful computer scientist colleague, um, David Libanowell, um, were super fun because when, when we look at those papers, it's the kind of thing where like, absolutely, we could not have done it on our own. You know, I think Jonathan, mm-hmm. the thing you were talking mm-hmm. about, like if we did a collaboration, it's conceivable that either of us could do that study it would be more fun together and it would probably, the science would be richer and we'd be more thoughtful and rigorous and whatever. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the bones of it, like you could do, right. but for this stuff, it's like, Oh, I just, I, I could not do that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, so it's cool. Cause it lets you do things you couldn't otherwise do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience, it also makes me more, um, especially working with people who are in a, a different research area or, or a totally different discipline, um, makes me think more, um, rigorously and critically about the assumptions that I'm coming into the research with. So one of the things that was really fun about working with David is he would just regularly say things like, why do you do it that way? Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. do you measure word frequency of occurrence on a log scale? Mm -hmm. You know, or or like, you know, any any number of other questions. And I'd be like, oh yeah, why do we do that? And sometimes I had a good answer and could explain like, oh, actually there's data that shows that blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it would be like, well, that's just what everybody does. And uh-huh. it never occurred to me you could uh-huh. possibly do it differently. Uh-huh. You know, and those are often like, those are often weak points, right? Just like doing things because you've always done them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that's that's the best way to do it. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's it's also been like really kind of intellectually fun to, to, to question some of the things that I've never questioned. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, I don't know, where in your career did you start uh, projects that you would describe as collaborations, even if at the time you didn't? Like, I'm wondering, like, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, to what degree have these kind of like, have you, I don't mean stumbled in a bad way, but you know, like, mm-hmm. like how intentional have you had to be about different collaborations and, and sort of how early on did this start? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, I was not very intentional, especially early on. 
Um, and I didn't really have any, I didn't have any collaborations with anyone outside my lab um, until I'd been in a faculty position for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe like, I don't know, maybe my first or second year um, in a faculty position, I, I, I started um, a collaboration. And, and the first one was somebody reaching out over email and saying, hey, I read this paper of yours and thought it was interesting and I'm doing this thing. Do you want to work together on it? Um, and, um, and, and if I hadn't gotten that, I think I, I, I wouldn't have sought that out. It kind of, um, I, mm-hmm. I hadn't really heard anybody talk about collaborations outside your like department before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it, it wasn't kind of something that occurred to me like you could do. Um, so here we are doing this thing we do on the podcast where we're mm-hmm. like, oh, I never heard anybody talk about that, uh-huh, but I wish right. I'd known about it earlier. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and then I think I've kind of become more intentional about it as I've gone and, and honed, like saying my philosophy of collaborations is too strong, but like, you know, developed some ideas about why you collaborate and who you should be you know, who, who, who makes good, who makes a good collaborator and, and things like that. Um, and, and so in terms of like, I mean, thinking about why to have collaborations, I think is an important kind of stepping stone for them thinking about like, how do you form them and mm-hmm. what do you look for? And, um, and, and, and so we've talked about the, like, people have different skills and access to different materials or whatever. So, so it can make the science better. Um, one of the other real, like, um, strengths i have found of of collaborations um is they kind of help keep you on track right like i i feel more obligated to turn stuff around quickly for collaborators <laughs> mm-hmm. than for mm-hmm. myself um i would i would sit on a draft of a paper if it's just me for a lot longer than i would if a, if a collaborator sent it to me and was like here please do this mm-hmm. um uh they're also really useful for learning stuff that isn't just about the research um, so I have, for instance, like learned how to use LaTeX, which is like a, a typesetting, um, software not tool method. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and taught other people about pre-registration and, and open science practices. And so it's, it's like, it's fun to learn about, about that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, or like how people organize projects, how, what their yeah, writing yeah, style yeah. is like, and all those like lab management or project management things that, that most of us were never taught. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And those, you know, you can kind of figure out through trial and error, but, um, but it's, you know, it's nice to see how other people do things. Mm-hmm. Can, can I just interrupt here with one yeah. great anecdote? I don't want to say, um, who it is, but, uh, we were, we were, or my lab was working with someone and they were sharing some files with us from a couple of experiments. And, and one, one set of files was named like, you know, E74, and then one from an experiment a couple later years later was like E96. Mm-hmm. And I realized, and I actually haven't talked to this person about it, but I want to, that they just number all of their experiments sequentially. So like every experiment has a line in a spreadsheet, every experiment has a number, and that why that's why we got, you know, E74 and E92. Those are the two experiments. Wow. And I had ne- it was like it blew my mind. I'm not even saying it's a good idea. It very well may be, but it just it was so different than how I've done it. Um, it was, it was actually quite eye opening. So that was, that was probably the most surprised I've ever been, um, you know, about like a mundane, like, how do you save files in your computer, which you wouldn't think would be surprising, but lo and it behold. It never occurred to me <laughs> that you could do anything other than give them a clever name. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> 
You can do both, apparently, but I don't know. I, I don't, guess, yeah. don't know if they do that. So. Well, what if you, like, start running Experiment 72, and then you start Experiment 73, and then you realize Experiment 72 has a follow-up that you want to do? Is that 74? Or I think it would 70? be. You can't renumber. Yeah, no. You know? Well, no, I just, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, ours will have, like, here's the, you know. Right. Here's the name, and if you have to do it, you'll be like, here's the name 2.0 or whatever. Right, catchy acronym, catchy acronym 2.0. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. anyway. So, so, yeah, you can you can learn all kinds of stuff, not just the science. Or you can decide you don't want to do it that way, too, right? You can be like, eh, right. I want to stick with my that way. Yep. Um, another perk of, um, of collaborations is that they can open up other opportunities for you, right? So I've had collaborators then invite me to go and give a talk at their institution and meet a bunch of other cool people and take a cool trip. And, you know, so that's, um, it's, it's not just about that, that one project that you're working on, Mm -hmm. but you know, the best part, what's that? They're fun. (laughs) Uh It's fun. It's fun to like get to work with other people. And, you know, science can be, um, it can be lonely. It can be, uh, routine, Um, and it's fun to have, I mean, at least for me, it's really fun to have lots of different people to work with and different projects that are going on. Mm -hmm. That's another perk of of collaborations is you can have more research projects going on at once because you've got more help with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just fun to have other things to think about. Mm -hmm. I, I think probably also because I'm at a small liberal arts college, um, and you know, our, our entire department is nine people. And so we have a couple other cognitive people, but they're in different enough areas of cognition that we can certainly talk about work, but it isn't like the way that you talk about work with someone who is steeped in your research area. Mm-hmm. And so it's just fun for me to have other, you know, faculty to, to talk to about projects. Mm-hmm. Well, I found, um, y- you know, doing projects with people who are at my career stage, whatever that career stage is, has mm-hmm. some you know, have some extra benefits over like, not that you only have to collaborate with people at your own career stage, but by any means, but people kind of know what you're know where you're coming from. So like as a postdoc, if I worked with another postdoc, we had similar, you know, um, um, anyway, things to celebrate and similar frustrations and similar relationships with mm-hmm, our, mm-hmm. our mentors or whatever. And we just, it was something to kind of bond over. And, and similarly now when I, collaborate with another faculty person um we have sort of a shared understanding of how things work that um i don't always have with you know with students you know like about grants or study section or whatever just things that come come from that experience and so that that can be really um encouraging too yeah it's um like in our episode that we talked about about networking it's kind of another way to make friends with people who have shared interests Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. and the shared interest is you know your little research baby Mm-hmm. Right. So I have two questions and I know that you, um, and they're both, I think the answers are long, so you can help me decide what order to, to go through okay. them. One is, you know, if someone doesn't have enough collaborations, like what's a good place to start either, either on any level, like practically or just theoretically. Mm-hmm. But then I also want to talk about like, are there any downsides to collaborations? Maybe we should Ooh. do the downsides first because that might play into your your decision. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do, let's do downsides first. Um, can you think of any, I mean, I guess th- this is a downside that I have not experienced, but I have heard other people talk about, which is if you start a project with someone and it turns out that you have different, um, 
philosophies of how to do science or mm-hmm. even different like kind of workflows or expectations about timing or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can end up like investing a lot of time in a project and then having a draft of a paper sit with a co-author for six months or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess like there there is an element of seeding control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so depending on who you're working with, that's a downside. And that might be, that might come up in different like power dynamics. Like if I'm doing, if yeah. I'm a more senior person or a, a, more, a less senior person or seem to have a particular expertise. Yeah. I guess another like potential risk for, um, more, more junior researchers or, or I guess anyone working with someone who's, who's well-established in the field is if you do a if you do a collaboration with someone who is a lot more senior than you, there might be some um, uh, pe- people might have the impression that you know they did all the work and you were tagging along. And mm-hmm. so I think mm-hmm. like having conversation, like being mindful and having conversations about how that's going to look, and thinking about it in terms of like authorship order or you know in the in the description of for some journals ask for a description of like who did what work or, or things like that. You know, helping to make it clear the nature of the collaboration. Um, I think that that would be important too. I mean, I want to jump in right there because um, the, there's kind of some standard advice, which I always got, which I think is not always true, but it's good to keep in mind, which is that especially as like a junior faculty member, um, it's important to do some research where you're the the senior person on the paper. Mm-hmm. So in other words, mm-hmm. many people um, coming out of their PhD or their postdoc are still still have projects that are ongoing from those parts of their career, and everyone understands that. But if for the first few years of a faculty position, you, there's everything has a former senior person on it, then it mm-hmm. gets hard to tell exactly what you were saying. It's hard to tell like, well, how much did you bring to this and how much did your former mentor bring to this? And it gets a little bit wishy-washy. And I think even though um, you know you don't want to like tell people not to collaborate with those people, I think it's important to have some papers that are not when you're when you're starting off, just to show that you can do it. And then you know after a little, a couple of years or however long you think, I think it's fine to add those back in. Or if you're doing them the whole way, anyway, it's just good to have something something separate. Yeah, um, I I have yeah. also heard that advice, and I guess I would probably continue to give it because mm-hmm. if that's you know how the old guard feels then right. you have to you know make nods to that well um, i think it, it I, varies a lot on institutions some institutions so i've done some external tenure review things and sometimes mm-hmm. the instructions explicitly say um you know we don't care if they're collaborating with their former mentors just ignore that and just talk about what what they're doing and mm-hmm. others explicitly say the other which is like please speak to their independence which might include you know you know you know collaborations with former mentors yeah. and stuff like that and so like i totally get it and i i still collaborate with with most of my former mentors and i think it's great and i wouldn't ever stop doing it but then i also i, I kind of see the point right and there are people who who struggle to do independent research so yeah i mean it's it's one of the reasons that like our system of of authorship and assigning credit is so busted right because it's, it's so hard to see who did mm-hmm. what Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of like systems out there for for keeping track of and and like explicitly crediting so and so designed and so and so wrote and so and so did the mm-hmm. analysis and whatever, um, which which is actually a lot more meaningful and and can let you see the extent to which someone is actually you know being able to 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 work independently, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it it also seems like 
a vestige of how people have thought about science in the past, but I think that the winds are kind of changing, which is that like the best way to do science is like the lone brilliant scientist <laughs> right. alone mm-hmm. in a lab mm-hmm. making, you know, like <laughs> spinning, spinning up all their concoctions alone, um, which is just like. Uh, right, right. Um, not, not the. Um, I'm not going to say not the right way to do it, but like not certainly not the only way to do it, and mm-hmm. and misses many of the benefits of, um, you know, of, of working with others and working in a t- in a team, um, and also that someone can can be a good collaborator and is the kind of person that people want to continue to work with. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's the kind of person I'm eager to have in my department. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Um, but, but I totally understand that that's like something that is a red flag for some people. And, well, right, and I, I, yeah, whether it should be or not, um, yeah. you know, anyway, I mean, it probably shouldn't be, but I, people should be aware that that's a, a thing, something, yeah. something to think about. Yeah. Um, the other, I mean, the other downside that I think of is just that just in the same category of like any research project that it's very easy to get spread too thin or at least yep. for me. Um, and, and so collaborations are no different if I'm already sort of, you know, doing as many projects as I can manage. And then um, Julia's like, hey, do you want to do this cool project? And I'll, I'm like, well, of course, I'll say yes. But like, I, I can't just magically make more time, right? So something has to go. And so I think just like any other project, um, anyway, that's that's been a challenge for me is saying yes to lots of cool collaborations and then not having time to, to do everything. Yeah. You can tell this is like a recurring theme for me. <laughs> um, and then, and then, and then the other, you know, challenge with um, collaborative stuff is, I, I guess, it's kind of related to that. But I've been on both ends of of this, where as part of a project, the person who's not me uh, doesn't do do the thing they said they would do, or the person who is me. Like sometimes we have, um, I can think of several projects where I, you know, would love. To, to keep working with a person, but I have not made time to do the thing I said I would do, like mm-hmm. analyze data or even organize it or whatever. There's lots of other stuff that where I've dropped the ball. Um, and that's, as you said, I try to, I try not to do that for collaborations, but then I do. So then it kind of stresses me out, mm-hmm. um, which is my own fault, I guess, for, for saying yes to too much stuff. But um, anyway, it just, it's hard for me to say no. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Mike's, the, the collaborations that I've had have, have, really gone swimmingly um and so i i can't think of other downsides other than the the things we've talked about so then the other question is all right so let's say at this point you're listening and you're saying wow collaborations sound great how do i how do i get one (laughs) you go to the collaboration store and (laughs) actually so our our daughter um, who just turned five but but for a long time we still do this a little bit uh, you know, anyway, every, wherever we got a thing, it was that kind of, of store, right? So you buy oh, right. shoes at the shoe store, you buy food at the food store, and then there would be, you know, you get these sort of like, I don't know, I don't know, random things like crayons, but we, w- we wouldn't say we go to the office supply store. She's like, oh, we should go to the crayon store and get some more crayons. Uh, so anyway, so I, if you asked our daughter, she would probably say, go to the collaboration store. Collaborations are us. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, how have, how have your collaborations formed in the past? I think most of them have come from me contacting me initiating, Mm -hmm. uh, with other people. And I feel like that might not actually be true, but that's my, my sense of it either. They've been pre-existing relationships with like a mentor 
that then I kind of got folded into. So it just seemed mm-hmm. to happen organically. Or um, I sent someone an email and said, hey, could, you know, we should work on this thing. Um, I think most of my collaborations have been with people that I already knew, either for, you know, being at the same institution or knew them from conferences. Um, and very few, if any, have been like people I've never met before. But I I, got, I saw them on Twitter and I said, hey, we should work on the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... um. Might have been a healthy mix. So I, I mentioned the one about like getting an email from somebody who said, you use this technique in a paper and I want to use it. And will you help me? And can we work together? Um, one was from just talking with someone at their poster at a conference and being like, oh, that's what you're doing. I do kind of a similar thing. Hey, you want to do a thing together where we do both of those things? Um, and then, you know, and then following up via email later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had one which was uh following somebody on Twitter and seeing the kind of stuff they did and thinking it was cool. And then um, when I was in this same city where he lived, like reaching out and saying, hey, you want to get coffee? And then chatting about ideas and, you know, coming up with a project idea over coffee and saying, oh, we should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then one, the, the one um, with my with my friend David in computer science, uh, we were just chatting over beers about our research with no idea that we would have anything in common. Um, I had like seen a research talk of his um, where he talked about some like network science stuff. And I was like, you know, I kind of do networky stuff too. Thinking about like what words sound like other words in the mental lexicon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that conversation ended with, you know, like us drawing on the back of napkins at the bar and being like, I think this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And, and, and saying, and saying like, we need to meet tomorrow without any beers and see if this is still a good idea. <laughs> right. And we did. Uh-huh. And, you know, I don't know, two, three papers later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's been kind of a range of some of like me being the, um, not aggressor. What's the word I'm looking for? Instigator. <laughs> yeah, instigator. Yeah. Instigator. Uh-huh. Um, and, and some with other people and some kind of just happening without, without a lot of, um, uh, intention. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then the other one, the other way that I have formed collaborators is by training them as undergraduates and then seeing them <laughs> go off to grad school, you know, mm-hmm. go off to, to, um, to continue on in academia and then, and then continuing to work with them. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is so fun because then I know that they are trained to use the same organizational techniques that, right. that I, you know, value the same organizational things yeah. uh-huh. and, you know, do science in a similar way. Um, and, and those, um, I, I, I really, think of those not as here's a former student who's you know still hanging on but as like hey these are these are people who have like continued to learn skills and can now do things that i can't do so I, we um we have got, got, got uh, working on a paper a registered report with um with three alums and it involves um, data simulation that I did not know how to do. I mean, mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. I do because we're doing it for this paper. Um, but those are skills that they have learned since they left my lab mm-hmm, and are now mm-hmm. teaching me how to do. It. And so like those, it's one of the reasons that I'm reluctant to think that just continuing to work with your old PI is you still just like, you know, hanging on their apron strings right, because right. like, I've got these students who are like teaching me how to do new stuff. So those really mm-hmm. feel like collaborations, not mm-hmm. like mentor mentee relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but now that I have like formed collaborations in all those ways, when I'm, when I'm thinking about like, if I wanted to start a new collaboration, um, I, I think I would, you know, be 
thinking about people whose work I'm interested in and like who can do things that I couldn't otherwise do. Um, and I feel like reaching out and saying, here's this thing you do that I think is cool. Here's a question I have that I'd like to, you know, think about together. And I think asking someone, do you want to write a paper with me right away might be coming on too strong, but saying, I've got this idea and, you know, can we zoom for a half an hour and I can run it by you and see if it's something you might be interested in, in thinking about or working on. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. it seems like a good approach. Yeah. You know, I was just looking over, um, uh, I was, I was paying attention to you, but I I pulled, I pulled up like publications that I've been on and, and most of my, um, you know, what I would call collaborations, but they've all been with people at my institution or I'm not all of them, but many of them have been Mm -hmm. more than I actually remembered. Um, Mm -hmm. which is a kind of an interesting, you know, I don't know. It's a little bit of a different, a, a different, um, angle on it because it's not necessarily, you know, contacting someone, you know, at a different institution or who might be more senior or whatever, who like has never met you. These are like mm-hmm. people I've bumped into in the hallway about stuff. And then after a few years, you know, we sort of have that conversation that you're talking oh, about. Yeah. Like, hey, I've got this idea. Can we just chat about it? And then like, oh, maybe we should write a grant. And you kind of like, you know, float it by them. And of course, at, at, at for me, a lot of these collaborations are centered around um, grants, either thinking about a future one or, or writing one, actually writing one or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a little, which is a little different. And I think, um, what you're saying, I mean, that sounds kind of fun. Like for, for me saying, I don't want to get spread too thin. I want to go find someone to collaborate with now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I agree just sort of like having a chat about it and also, you know, personalities are also kind of important for this. Right. And so just because someone's doing kind of relevant work doesn't mean that you guys are going to work, you know, easily together. And mm-hmm. I think it's worth kind of considering that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I think about like what I look for in a collaborator, I think probably the the top thing is like, is this someone that I would enjoy working with and talking to? You know, mm-hmm, like kind mm-hmm. of the do do they pass the would I like to have a beer mm-hmm. or a cup of tea or whatever with this person? Mm-hmm. Um, because even if they enable you to do some kind of awesome research, I, I I would never take on a project with someone who is difficult to work with, even if they opened up a good opportunity. And again, mm-hmm. that's like you know it coming from a position of privilege where I don't I don't have to you know, I don't have to try to do things like that for the research, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think like, is this someone who would be fun to work with? Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do you look for in collaborators? Well, you know, one thing again, circling back to just like, you know, reframing it in terms of what, what do you look for in a new research project? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think trying to think a little bit, you know, intentionally about, um, so, so totally, and I, actually, most of my collaborations, I I almost do. I start with, do I like working with them? I don't know. It's, it's a big part of it, but then I think also you don't want to only do that. You want to think about okay, if, if this project does work, how is that going to tie into other stuff that that I'm doing? Because um, yeah. it could be, um, I don't know, someone's doing this really cool work uh, in a totally unrelated area, but they're they're really nice and smart, and I want to work with them. And we we do a project, and then it doesn't feed back into other stuff I'm doing. Not that you should never do that, but given limited time and resources and energy, it's worth being honest uh, with ourselves about that ahead of time, I think. Um, yeah. And like every other project, collaborations take longer than we think. Um, I, in my experience, unless you unless it's the rare situation where your collaborator like does all the work. Uh, 
But anyway, usually it just takes a long time. And so you think, oh, this is an easy project. We'll just do this one little thing together. And like three years later, it might still right. be me still be going. So, you know, it, it, it's often, a, you know, a reasonable commitment. Yeah. Every, everything takes longer than you mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for junior people yeah. who aren't us, you know, but graduate students, for example, like how, how, how do you think, um, you know, senior undergrads or graduate students should be thinking about collaborations or should they? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one, one thing that's, one thing that's tricky about doing it as a senior undergrad or a grad student is that in those positions, you have a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through mm-hmm. and and the concern is, you know, you're like, got to do your master's, do your subject matter exam, finish your dissertation, all of that. Um, and those things that are all like time sensitive, mm-hmm. um, I think collaborations can be somewhat risky for, especially if it's not someone who is like hyper aware of the of the of those kinds of demands on your time. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, for instance, you wanted to collaborate with somebody on, I don't know, a dissertation, and then they decided they couldn't do the thing that they said, you mm-hmm. know, you, you'd be mm-hmm. in big trouble. And so I think like, Having collaborations in those early stages um, can be great, but but maybe not for the things that like you have to do in order to finish your program, mm-hmm. just in case. Because mm-hmm. even if you're you know your your collaborator means well and everything, but then you know their kid gets really sick or they win the lottery or whatever. Like um, uh, I think I think you only want to be relying on people you know who are like on your committee and so like really understand. The, the, the pressures of time. Mm-hmm. But for people who are are doing great at jumping through all of the hoops that they have to jump through and um, are interested in doing something that is above and beyond, you know, like a, an additional research project and they have time and bandwidth for, um, I think that could be a great way to like form a connection with somebody else in the field, potentially secure a postdoc mentor, mm-hmm. um, so, something like that. And I, I think the tough sell would be for people who, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to try to like reach out to someone senior to spark a collaboration, um, I think more junior people, um, the, the, the tough sell is like convincing that senior person that you have something to offer and you're not just like looking for additional mentorship or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to be clear, I understand that grad students and senior undergrads can have a ton to offer faculty. Um, but, but, you know, explaining that and selling that, is 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 the important thing mm-hmm. um and, and also making sure that your current that the head of your lab currently would be on board with that um mm-hmm. my guess is that some pis might be prickly about you know you reaching out to other people for for collaborations but i but i don't know um, i think um you, you know maybe an easier an easier sell would be to involve your like to make it a lab collaboration yeah. that you're yep. t- you're leading so yep. that you get what you get out of it, but it also is feels like a more of a benefit for your current PI in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that also might, you know, make it easier to kind of approach another senior person. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so just going off on your own and like doing a whole project without your current PI is, you know, you should at least talk to them about that and make sure it's okay. And I mean, I would be um, probably a little worried about that with, with any student um, just because of all the, like you said, all the hoops to jump through and also just like the, you know, trying to help, help them manage their time and things like that. If I'm not involved mm-hmm. with it, it's just sort of, it's a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Uh, but I think, you know, especially as people are like establishing themselves as as junior faculty, um, I think collaborations can be great. Um, and, you know, given the right people in the right circumstances and all of that. Um, and and I'm, I'm realizing that most of the collaborations that I have formed have been with people who are at a similar um, place in their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, and it's really nice. Yeah. Like you said, to get to talk through kind of the different, different challenges and different, um, different steps that people are, things that people are going through. Um, and so there are a lot of challenges associated with being a junior faculty member. And so finding other people who are in a similar position, um, I think can also be a nice form of a, a support network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think, um, you know, for like finding collaborators, like in-person conferences are great for that. You know, see also our our podcast on networking, but don't call it networking um, because you can, you know, go to someone's poster or just find them and have an informal talk. And that can especially, you know, anyway, that can that can be a great way to just to kind of bounce ideas off each other in a way that doesn't feel very, you know, high pressure or like official. Um, so that's one thing I do. I mean, you can obviously do it on like gather or like some of these other social things, but it's a little bit harder, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Twitter too, you know, it's a great Mm -hmm. way for finding people, um, uh, who are doing interesting work. And also you can kind of get a vibe for personalities and if it seems like they'd be someone who's fun to work with or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, one, one of the things that's tricky, you know, and I was thinking about thinking about like what do I look for in collaborators or like how, how would I advise people to choose their collaborators? Um, one thing that's tricky is that it can be hard to know how somebody works and whether you'd work well together until you've worked with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Like someone may seem great, but if it turns out they don't ever answer emails or, right. you know, have a really different approach to, to doing science, um, those, that can be hard to feel out. And so, so I, I think another, um, uh, another thing that might be good is like when you're just getting started on the project, kind of talking through how do you see this playing out? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you think this would work? And and I've done this um, with with like talking about authorship mm-hmm. uh, early on in in part because that's something that can be dicey, but in part also because it's just like, hey, who's in charge here? Mm-hmm. Like when we both get busy and drop it for a minute, who's going to be the one who then says, all right, time to start thinking about this again? Um, and so I think it can be very useful to establish that stuff of like your first author, you're going to like take the lead on this and be the one to bug me about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also thinking about, you know, just talking through like, what are your expectations for like, when do we think a chunk of this work is going to get done? How busy are you this term compared to next term? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to kind of those things might, might help give a sense of if it's going to be a good fit before you actually invest a lot of time and effort. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and also, mm-hmm. um, but, but sometimes you sort of get into these things and, and despite your best intentions, like people get too busy and stuff gets dropped and, mm-hmm. and, yep. um, or like, you know, anyway, whatever people have different writing styles and actually, you know, you hate my writing style, Julia, because of whatever, however I do stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and usually you can work out things like that, but I do think, yeah, it, it helps when people are sort of have compatible compatible project management and compatible views of science and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, it's, it's maybe it's worth thinking about um, 
I think authorship is a great one to get explicitly out there. And then maybe other stuff like open science practices. So if you mm -hmm. assume we're going to share all of our data online, but I don't, um, that could cause problems down the road. And it's just good to say, look, you know, here, here are the three things I really want to do for this project. You know, is, is that okay with you or however you want to phrase it? But um, I think that can be really important too. I'm thinking of a collaboration that I had um uh, with um, my dear former student collaborator, friend of the show, Violet Brown, um, and then a collaborator that we hadn't worked with before. And he he said kind of early on, like, I'm wondering if you'd be comfortable with uh, pre-registering this project. And Violet was like, in fact, I wouldn't be comfortable with anything other than pre-registering this project. <laughs> mm -hmm. We were like, great, nice to establish, you know, that that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's something we share. Right. Um, yeah, so I think talking about that stuff ahead of time is is good too. Mm -hmm. I I have heard um, I've heard some horror stories about people who like get deeply into a collaboration and then find one of these things like they think someone is engaging in questionable research practices or, you know, something else um, and like no longer wanting to have your name on a project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and these seem just terrible, like especially when they involve power dynamics and junior people who don't feel like they can actually push around the senior people who are doing things that they don't approve of and, you know, need the publications and, and all of that. Um, and, and those, those like, that is such a tricky situation. Um, and, and at least the hope is that if you are really careful to kind of talk about what the process is going to be ahead of time, that, that might make those less common. I'm not implying that the people who find themselves in those situations did anything wrong at the outset like that that can that can also just happen. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's also though like what you said about being careful you know to maybe not have your career depend on that collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, especially if it's a, if it's the first time you've worked with someone, and so whether that's your PhD or or later on in the career, that like being able to walk away, um, I think. I mean, obviously, you know, is is also some privilege, but but having that mindset that like, could I walk away from this if I have to, is maybe not a horrible idea. Yep. Yep. I mean, the other thing is sometimes I think, um, like all you know, all relationships and friendships and, and whatever collaborations kind of can run their course, uh, after, um, whether it's after one project or five projects or, or 30 years. And I think, um, and, and that can potentially be awkward, but sometimes it's not. And you just sort of, you know, sometimes you get busy and you stop working together or other times you might just need to say, look, you know, it's been really great, but, but I, I can't add another project at this point or whatever. Um, yep. and how do we know that? I mean, I think sort of like, it's the it's the mirror image of all the reasons you'd want to get into a collaboration uh, if it stops being fun or stops being something that is um, you're benefiting from scientifically. I mean, it's worth thinking about not just you know continuing on because you have been doing it, but you know you're allowed to you're allowed to stop. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's it's funny as as you were talking about that, I was thinking about Violet, who I have uh, like we, we we sometimes write papers without each other. Um, but it's it's rare, like definitely we have more papers together than with anybody else or or apart. Um, and 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 one of the other things that is great about those kinds of like really long term collaborations is once you figure out your workflow mm -hmm. and like who does which part, and you know um, uh, you know saying like oh remember we did it this way last time 
let's do that because we both know how to do our whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it makes everything so incredibly efficient. Yeah. Um, you know, and really like two heads are better than one stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, once, uh, if, if you can be fortunate enough to have like a really great close collaborator that, that you work with that well, um, not only is it super duper fun, but, uh, but it also just makes the work be so efficient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. And a lot of the sort of like, uh, whatever the investment of time, you know, the first time you work with someone can pay off if you end up doing 10 papers together, uh, obviously, right. you know, then you sort of have a, have a way of doing things together and that can be, yeah, can be, yeah. Fun and efficient. Yeah. Fun and efficient. That's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, one of the things I would like to mention before we, uh, before we sign off for the day is what a delight it is to hear from you via email and on Twitter. Dear listeners, when you reach out, it makes me so happy. So please feel free to um, drop us a line. If you want to, um, you can uh, go to the website, juiceandsqueeze.net, and there's a form that you can fill out. You can um, email us directly at thejuiceandsqueeze at gmail.com or on Twitter at juicesqueezepod. Um, and it, it's really, it's wonderful to hear from you both, uh, that you're enjoying the show. Uh, it's also wonderful when you suggest or make recommendations for content for us to talk about. Um, thanks to those of you who have, who have done that recently. We've got some things, um, slated to talk about in the future based on those listener questions. And I still have a bunch of stickers. So drop us a line at any of those, uh, the places that I talked about, send me your mailing address. Um, I ordered a bunch of stickers. I have, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how many I ordered, but I have a lot. You have so a lot left. Uh-huh. Le- I have a lot left. So let me know if you want stickers and I will happily drop one um, in the mail to you. Awesome. And have a happy and safe Halloween. That's right. And we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll have some follow-up about that next time. Sounds great. All right. Thanks All right, everybody. Talk to you next time. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>